No, I'm not going to preach on Kenneth Hagin's favorite scripture, even though it wouldn't hurt. I'm going to do something tonight. You know, do y'all ever wonder where I get sermons? Well, I don't get them out of a book. You know, God is fun. He's so, he is so much fun. And I can't honestly tell you why sometimes I preach some things. I go, well, you want me to preach that? Very often, I will wake up preaching at 4 and 5 in the morning. And I just start taking notes. I do. I just go, I never thought of that. And I just get up and go in there and, and start writing down what it is coming out of me while I'm sleeping. Amen. And sometimes uh, just out of prayer, because I do a lot of praying, and then the, and I'll, get, I'll get something from the Lord. And so, so tonight, um, I'm going to preach a sermon called The Root of the Problem. And, um, and I know some of the reason why he gave this to me tonight. But, um, but it has to do with the, with the world we're living in right now. And there's a, the world is in a mess. It's in a mess. And I don't want the mess in this church. And y'all don't want it in here either. You don't want it in your family. You don't want it in your family. Don't let it come in. So a lot of times things happen and people, and I've often asked why, why do people do that? Why, why do they think that way? Why do they act that way? And, and it befuddles me. And, and sometimes the Lord will wake me up and answer my question and I'll go, oh, that's awesome. So, so much so I decided to preach on it tonight. It's called the root of the problem. Mark 11 um, let's start with verse 15. Jesus hasn't got to the fig tree yet, but yeah, he has, he, he'd already cursed it. So he went into the Jerusalem and when Jesus went to the temple, he began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares to the temple. And when he taught saying to them, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves? And the scribes and the chief priest heard it, and they sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because of the people, astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now, that was when he walked by the fig tree, and um, we got the scripture Brother Hagin put in the Bible. Have faith in God. A lot of times we don't ever read what happened before that, but let's jump down to verse 27. And when they came again to Jerusalem, as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? And Jesus answered and said, I'm going to ask you a question, you answer me, and then I'll tell you what authority I'm doing these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or was it from men? Answer me. And they went and reasoned among themselves and says, well, if we say it's from heaven, he's going to ask us, why didn't you believe him? And if we say from men, they feared the people and all the people counted John to be a prophet. And they said, answered and said to Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus answered and said, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I want you to underscore that word authority. Um, there's been a lot of books written lately, um, 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 McPherson um, wrote the book, The Authority of the Believer, and, and um, then Brother Hagin wrote one, and I know Andrew Womack wrote one, and The Authority of the Believer, or the, or the revelation of it, has been quite the phenomenon 
in the modern day church. Um, when Lisa and I were in Israel, we were on a bus full of people, not of our denominational persuasion. And Lisa overheard them jokingly referring to us as name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. And you know, a lot of people don't understand what we preach or why we preach it. Well, we preach it because we're right. That's the honest to God truth. The church has had this idea that God is running everything. Well, if he is, he has it in a mess. And he isn't. He's not, you know, and I go through the whole, you know, there's three things God can't do. He can't lie. He can't die. He can't violate his own word. Plus in Mark 6, 5, it says Jesus couldn't do any mighty work in his own hometown because of their unbelief. And so often he got on to the disciples because of their lack of faith or their unbelief. And the average church today does not believe that. They think God in his sovereignty is running everything. But, I want to, but, but that's, that's the authority of the believer. But there's more to this word than we've ever studied out. Everybody, and I say everybody, and I might not really mean everybody, but I would say most people desire authority of some sort. Okay, I mean, there's, there, there is authority in the land. So those are the things that I want to talk about tonight because, and, and here's, my, here's my question, and I know you think you know the answer, but just hold your toe tight. Where does authority come from and who gets it? Well, we know it comes from God. Who gets authority and then who does not get authority? There will always be rank and file for eternity. When we get to heaven and we leave heaven and come back to earth, there will be people over you and there will be people under you. It will always be this way. And there always has been authority in the earth. In the garden, we know that Satan went after Adam's authority. God gave Adam authority. And we know Satan had it because he tempted Jesus with it. And the Bible called it a bona fide temptation because Jesus wanted it and he wanted it back. So whoever's the one in authority, we call them the boss. Right? All right. Now let's do a case in point. In your home, there is an authority figure. Usually the father. The father and mother have shared authority. The children occasionally decide they want it. And then, then there is problems and there's issues. And sometimes the belt comes out, sometimes a paddle, sometimes screaming and hollering, throw them out the window, whatever you do with your kids. Lock them in the closet. But, but kids, so, so people are wanting authority. In America today... We have a, uh, two, uh, Democrats and Republicans. They both want to run the United States. Over in the Middle East, we've got the Muslims and the Jews, and they both want to run Israel. And we have Satan and God, and both of them want to run the world. Right. Do you all understand that this word authority is a, it is huge. So Jesus, when he comes to the earth, obviously is acting like he is someone. You walked in the temple and you clean it out. Who told you you could do this? Who died and made you God? It's kind of the way we talk. Who made you the boss? And that's what they're asking him. And then he threw the question back at him and they couldn't answer it. Because, because now we need to ask who, who has authority and who gets it? 
So Philippians chapter 2, let, let's, let, let's talk about this for a minute because it's obvious that Jesus is in authority, right? As everybody, we're all in agreement on that. But where did he get it? How did he get it? A lot of people say, well, he has it, but they don't know how he got it. How in the world did he get it? So why is it that some people have authority and some people don't have authority? Because a lot of people don't have it and they want it. And a lot of people have it and they really are the boss. And sometimes we need to look and recognize that in the world we live in, there are those who have the right to say this is right and wrong. Who has earned that right? Jesus. The church recognizes that Jesus is in authority. Because every time there's an issue, we always go back and say, well, the Bible says. But they don't agree with that. Because who, we didn't, Jesus is not the Lord of our life. Do y'all see that? So there's a conflict going on in America today. And a lot of times it's not really Democrat and Republican. It's not really Muslim and Jew. It's who's the boss. And who gave you the right to be the boss? Why do you think you're the boss? The Muslims say, well, we get to keep the dome on the rock in Jerusalem. Who said? Why did the Jews keep it there? Because World War III will break out if they ever tear it down. That's why. But there's coming a day they're going to tear it down. And when Jesus comes, he's going to tear it down. So really, in America today, let's, add, let's ask this question. Is everyone under Jesus? No. Only those who have said yes. That is the crux of salvation. The devil believes in God. The devil believes in Jesus. The devil believes Jesus died on the cross. Well, why isn't he saved? Because he's never made him Lord. Repentance... From sin is the birth canal to the new birth. If you have, a, you have a person that has not repented of sin, you have a person who's not saved. Satan has never repented of sin. And come under Jesus. Made him Lord. So he's not saved. So the world today, there's a lot of people believe in God. A lot of people believe in Jesus. So so, the, the, so, there's a defense, so there's an issue going on in the world. Who has the right to make the rules? Who has the right to tell you what to do? Who gave you the right to tell someone else what to do? This is a big subject. And because, because people, you don't realize this, but in the world today, who, who started the church? It's an easy question. Multiple choice. Jesus, Jesus, or Jesus? A, B, or C? All three. All right. Who decides who pastors the church? So what happens when businessmen start a church? It's not God. God don't go there. And it says church. And they sing. Are y'all out there or did you go home? And yet, you know, we're taught. We just love everybody and you should. But, but, but I want you to start understanding this thing about authority, everything God does, he has divine order. I, am ama- I love SeaWorld. I love to go to SeaWorld. I like to watch how God made all those 
crazy fish. My favorite one is the one with the eyeballs that come out and they swing on a tentacle. And, and I'm thinking, what were you thinking, God? Come on, he's got to be eight years old. That is the craziest looking fish I've ever seen. But have you ever noticed that everything that he makes is balanced perfect? Everything from atoms and protons and neutrons to the distance the sun is from the earth. Everything has a perfect divine order to it. Now, if you and I get out of that order, things don't work. And a lot of times Christians come along and go, why God? I always joke and say, what happens if... If Elijah had gone the wrong brook, well, the ravens would have said, well, he ain't here. Let's eat the steak. You know, I mean, it's just, there's an order to God. And I think sometimes we are a little bit healthy, kind of loosey-goosey. I want to realize that there is order. And you need to understand this if you ever want to see a move of God. All right, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Where did Jesus get his authority? I'm going to show it to you. It says, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself no reputation. He took the form of a bond servant and came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and those under the earth and every tongue would confess Jesus, Lord, the glory of God, the Father. So Jesus is obviously the one in authority, but how did he get it? All right, we know God gives authority, but who does he give it to? Since everybody wants authority, not everybody wants to get it the way God said, get it. There's a right way to get authority and there's a wrong way to get authority. All right, now let's go back to the home. Mom and dad say, you're going to bed. Kid goes, I don't feel like it. Or the kid comes in and says, who, who, why, why do you guys get to stay up? Why do y'all get to watch me? Why do you? And so the dad looks at him and says, well, sweetheart, as long as, as, I, as, as, as the, I, I paid for the roof and I paid for the refrigerator and I paid for the AC and as long as I did all that, you do what I say because I'm the boss. So let's, 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 let's remember this. Authority and responsibility are always equal. Who's responsible for the house? The dad. Who's the authority? Well, the dad not the kids. So here's the way you talk to your kids. Well, I'm going to tell you what I think. Well, you can tell me all you want to think. Well, pack your bags and go get your own house. Then you tell everybody all what you think all day long. Am I right about that? All right. All right. Now, so here's the secret to authority. God gives it, but he only gives it to people who serve. All right, now let's, let's talk about what's going on in Washington. We have socialists that go, we think the whole world owes us a living. Now, come on, I mean, they do. I mean, they, they do, guys. It's a fight. So what, who decides that if they're the boss, they're going to take money from someone who worked and give it to someone who didn't? Who, who decided that? 
They did. They don't want the responsibility of making the money. They just want to run it. It's like a child in the home that wants the refrigerator even though they didn't buy the food. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? And this is going on in the world today. This is going on in the world. So Jesus wanted the authority. And, and Satan even tempted him and said, all this authority I'll give you if you bow your knee. And he turned to the devil and said, no. He said, he said you worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. Jesus wanted the authority. But he had to go to the cross to get it, which meant that his obedience, once you serve, God lifts you and sets you in authority. So, 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 so let's say that we have a man that owns a business and he has 15, 20 employees and, and they come to him one day and say, well, who, who, who made you boss? He said, well, I started the business, spent my money on the business. I am the boss. Now, let me say something to you because I want you to think about this for a minute. Poor people hate rich people. Did you know that? They absolutely do. I mean, you get money, and I'm going to tell you something. You hadn't, you hadn't been persecuted until you get some money. Right. And then the world comes along and goes, who died and gave you the right to have money, and I don't. Well, and, and the ones of us that have money, we say, well, I studied while you were goofing off. And I went to school, and when I came out, I, I worked for mine. But that, but, but that doesn't matter. They still think that somehow or another, there's a privilege Somebody gave, just gave it to you. You're the boss, and how'd you get there? It's called being the servant. If a company hires you, thank them. You're the one that agreed to work for that much money, work them, and go in there and work so they can make money. And if you want to be promoted, why don't you do your job? You know what they call that? A company man. You're just a company man. Yes, I am. They hired me, and I'm a company man. If I get promoted, it's because I'm doing my job. You see, if you go into a job with the attitude, I'm here to serve, you'll be the boss. If you go in the attitude that, well, if you give me more money, I'll work harder. Well, you ain't never going to be the boss. You ain't never going to be anything. And people don't understand that when they came along and looked at Jesus and said, well, where, where did you get this authority? Because the, the Pharisees wanted the authority. But they never humbled themselves below the hand of God. They didn't do it. Right now, right now in Jerusalem, you got the Jews, they're not, they're not humbled before God. The Muslims, they don't humble themselves before the hand of God. You got politicians, nobody, everybody wants to be the boss and nobody wants to be humble. So what happens when you do humble yourself and God puts you in a position of authority. Everybody comes along and thinks, well, who died and made you God? Are y'all out there? Did you go home? And that's very difficult for Americans. Well, thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. People in authority are servants whom God promoted the secret to ruling is serving. Go to Matthew 20 and I'm going to prove it to you. Let's go. Come on. I'm, 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 is this okay? Is this okay? I'm, I'm going to teach you how it works. I mean, there's not a one of you that can't increase your income, can't get anything you want in life. I'm going to show you. It's not, 
rocket science. It's not hard. Matthew 20, 20. And the mother of Zebedee's sons came to her sons and knelt down and asked him, what do you wish? He says, grant that two sons of mine will sit one on your right hand and one on the other. What in the world is she asking? Like God's just going to hand it to you? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking, woman. Are you able to drink the cup I'm drinking? What a question. All right, now let's stop for a minute. The kid comes in the living room and goes, Mom, who died and made you God? Well, honey, let me explain something to you. I'll gladly go and do your homework. If you'll wake up and take care of the baby, when you get through, you take care of the get, make sure of the breakfast, and then when you take care of all the kids, and then when you get through with that, you make sure the house is in, and you do this, and you, sweetheart, you have no idea, but I work more in one day than you do in a week. Plus, I'm smarter than you are. See, the mom is not the mom. The mom's the mom because she's the mom. And she raised the kids, and she's responsible for those children. She's not the boss just to be the boss. So she could say, do you want, would you like to drink my cup? Would you like to do what I'm doing every day of my life? And, 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 and so your kids get older, and they, and they get married, and you go, ha, ha, ha. You're about to get a hold of your own cup now, honey. All right. Will you and Dean drink my cup and be baptized? Do you want to go through the cross? Do you want to go? How many of you want to do what Jesus did to get it? Uh, that's what I thought. You'll be indeed drink my cup and be baptized of the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but those that prepare my father. And when they heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. And Jesus called to himself and says, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. That means they, they, they rule by position. And those who are great exercise great authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. This is real quiet in here. Whoever desires to be your great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So who is the boss in the church? It's the one who's serving. You want this job? Meet me in the morning at 5 and let's go to prayer. And then meet me at the hospital about 10. And then, you know, folks, listen, it's called W-O-R-K. Oh, how did you get it? Well, God gave it to me. So let me, let me stop for a minute and share something with you. And nobody hired me. I mean, Jesus owns his church. He died for the people in it. Nobody owns the church. Jesus owns it. And he puts who he wants to in it. And he says, you're the boss. Now, when I first started pastoring this church, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not crying in my milk, so I'm just trying to explain something. When, the, when I started pastoring, the Lord said to me, I want you to get the books and take them and hire a bookkeeper. I said, you're going to get me killed. He said, he said, this is my church and I called you. Now you do what I tell you. And he chewed me out for submitting to the people. I got chewed out for it. So I went and hired a bookkeeper. The books hadn't been touched in over a year. 
place was a royal mess. Now think about this. Well, then who keeps track on you? Jesus. Do you think he's big enough? Then you don't need to worry about it. I'm not saying that I'm infallible. I mean, if you see me chasing wild women, you, you need to call Lisa and say, hallelujah. The poor guy's lost his mind. No, no, I mean, men are not infallible. But, but, but see, there's, this, there's an issue today when it comes to authority in churches, who runs it, who makes decisions, in the house, in the government. And, and, and America has a problem with, them with, with authority right now. They don't want to be under God, but they want to run everything. Are y'all listening? And, that, and that's, you know, people say, well, we, you know, we want to move with God in our church. Well, if you do, then get in order. And that may sound strange. See, if you're full of pride, that bothers you massively. Because you don't really believe God's big enough to take care of his own, job, his own business. It's his business. He started, he knew what he wants to. I was listening to um, Andrew Walmack one day, and his mother said to him, says, Andy, you know you didn't do this. He goes, yes, Mama, no. You, there's not a human being that can pull off a church. Do you understand? You can't do it. You can't pull off Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland did not pull off Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Jesus Christ did. Amen. But then there is a guy that he put in, the, in there, and he makes decisions. And as long as he's doing what God told him to, there's order there. The blessings will be there. Do y'all see that? And, and I want y'all to understand that that's life. That's just life. Okay. Now, John 13. Go to John 13. We've got a few scriptures we're going to look at, and then we're going to get into the good stuff. Thirteen one. Well, this is going to be a long one. It'll be all right. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that an hour had come that he would depart from this world, um, from the Father having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. The supper being ended, the devil already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And he poured water in the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel which he girded. And he came to Simon Peter and says, Lord, are you washing my feet? And he said unto him, he says, what I'm doing now, you do not understand, but you'll know after this. And Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. He says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet, my hands and everything. He said, he who, he who is bathed does not need any except his feet washed. But he's completely clean, and you're clean, but not all of you. He knew who would betray him, therefore he said, not all of you. And when he washed their feet, he took his garments and sat down, and he said to them, do you not know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, so I am. If I am your Lord and your teacher, and I wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's. For I have given you example, you would do like I did. What's he doing? Now let's ask a question. Who is he? He's God. He's God. Doesn't he, he, doesn't, he shouldn't be washing feet. But he's not the God like a Gentile God. He, he says, if I am God and I serve, you will never be above me. The attitude of people in a church should be to serve. 
Now you have people, and I'm going to say this, with, who come into church and they want to be Mary Fran. And they want to be prophets. And I say, well, you would be if you went and worked in the nursery. Well, I'm not working in the nursery. Well, then you'll never be Mary Fran. Are you all out there? Did you go home? See, th- this concept that, that we want authority. I want to prophesy. I want to lay hands on the sick. I want to do all these things. Well, then come vacuum. Oh, that's not my call. <laughs> and don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. You know, these ladies that went to Honduras, I'll tell you what, you're serving people. You're washing feet. You're helping them. You're loving them. You're, you're ministering to people. You're, you're laying your life down and going down and saying, we're going to do this for someone else. And they come home and they get no benefit from it. There's no, they didn't get a paycheck. But, but God watches you and he promotes. If you want authority just because you want authority, I got news for you. All you're going to do is get mad. And, and let me say this right now. People who want authority and don't serve, they hate everyone in authority. If you think I'm lying, go on the internet and watch all the things they say about all the ministers on the internet. And they don't do anything. These people have never even won one soul to Jesus, and they are the boss. I was talking to a young man Sunday, and we walked out, and he was arguing with me about tongues. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. And I was just kind to him, very kind to him. I said, I probably want a 1,000 people to Jesus being ignorant, and, and, and you've done nothing being intelligent. I said, I think I like being ignorant. And sit here in my church and argue with me when you've never done anything. Even if I'm wrong, I mean, my God, you ought to have enough sense to know. I mean, I've done more being stupid. <laughs> you ever think about how absolutely ignorant that is? We have a whole denominations who think we're crazy, and yet we're winning people to the Lord and getting them healed and getting them filled with the Holy Ghost, and the people's lives are being changed, and they're doing slap, zap, nothing, and they're angry. <laughs> It's like the time Bill Kozlowski looked at me and said, why is it I'm right and you're happy? I said, well, you might want to think about that for a while, Bill. Well, about a month later, he got filled with the Holy Ghost and came back happy. Oh, his wife got filled with the Spirit, getting baptized. Okay. People hate because they're jealous. Cain and Abel. What did Abel do? Abel didn't do nothing. Cain comes along and goes, I hate you. What did I do? Well, you got the blessings of Abraham. Yeah? Well, I didn't get them, so I hate you. I was reading an article, and I wish I would brought my phone, but uh, the president said that he agrees that the Golan belongs to the Jews and uh, there's like a little skirmish that broke out down in the Gaza Strip this week. And they said, why do you do that? And they said, well, 
because the Jews have too much money and too much influence. Okay. Well, who gave them the influence? God. And who gave them the money? God. Well, if you obeyed God, you'd have influence and money too, numbnut. You don't, be, don't hate the Jews because you've never done what God told you to do. <laughs> no, don't get mad at Kenneth Copeland because he's a big preacher. You could be too if you did what he did. And don't be mad because somebody has more money than you. They might have paid the price. Go ask them, how'd you do it? Okay, never mind. Never mind. When I, was, when I was working at Certain Teed, the Lord told me, he says, you know, if you work hard, I'll promote you. And so I got there early and worked hard, and they started promoting, and people came to me and started calling me a company man. I said, yes, I am. And they call you a scab. You're a scab. I don't know what scab is, the thing on your knee when you fall. <laughs> and you have to flake it off after about six months because it leaves a pink spot. And I, I'm a scab? I'm a scab because I work, and I'm a scab because they promoted me because I do good work. See, in America today, when you start watching people, you, you start hearing a lot of anger. And yet, if you don't learn what to do with it, and sometimes you get angry, and you're angry at somebody, and you have to stop and go, wait a minute, why, why, why am I so ticked? If I obey God, he'll promote me. Ain't no sense of me running around getting mad. But here's the skinny. Not everybody wants to do what you need to do to go up. Because they don't want, well, see, it, see, pride won't let you humble yourself for fear you're going down and stay down. So these people are going to go up, and if they have to take themselves up, and they got to climb over people and kick and claw and hate all the way to the top. And there's where the conflict in America is and the home. Let me help you all with y'all's kids. And I know you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but it's all right. Just, just. When your teenagers are living in your home and they throw a fit, don't be afraid they're going to die if you put them in the front yard. And if you bought the phone, take it back. Well, how will they get a hold of me? There's a God and you're not him. But now I'm going to give you my opinion. A teenager would sass me one time. And that's all that would ever happen. It would never happen again. Because I kill him. <laughs> Ashley came one time and she says, I'm moving. I says, well, let me help you pack. And I went in the room, and I'm helping her pack. She goes, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I'm helping. We're not doing it your way, and it's obvious that you're not pleased. And so, goodbye. She sat on the bed, because this isn't working. to tell you all some stories and I can't. <laughs> Genesis 
Don't hate people. Don't hate. Don't, I don't, I don't care. Don't, just don't, don't hate people. You, you don't want, you don't want to go down that road. Even if you don't like them, you're not God. Can I, I want to tell you all a story. It's, it's about me. I had a minister friend of mine um, who lives here in Florida, and he had a church, and it, didn't, it wasn't doing real well. And one day I was praying for, for him. Well, I wasn't praying for him. I was sticking my nose in his business, and I said, God, what about so-and-so? And the Lord said to me, and you know, sometimes he says things pretty strong. He said, he is none of your concern. And what I do with him is none of your business. I went, Jesus loves me, this I know. I feel the love. But you know, Peter did it. What, what about John? And Jesus looked at him and says, if, I, if he's alive until I come back, what's that to you? Amen. Sometimes we, we have a tendency to stick our noses where it doesn't belong. Yeah. Are you all all right? You just take care of you. I just thought I'd tell you that story. So I'm going to read this to you. Genesis 37, Jacob dwelled in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years old and feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them of his father. He's not tattling. We'll go over that in a minute. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a tunic of many colors. Now, let's back up for a minute. No matter what everybody says, they go, I love all my children equally. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But we don't treat all of our kids the same because they won't allow us to treat them the same. When it says that he made a tunic of many colors, I want you to know that he did not make a coat and dye it red and blue and pink and purple. The, uh, the guys that worked as shepherds wore a vest during the day in the front and the back, and they did not have sleeves in their vest. But the dad made Joseph a goatskin coat with sleeves in it. It had more color and it had more skins on it. The reason he did that is he put Joseph in authority over his brothers. And why did he do it? Because when Joseph, it says that he came and brought a bad report, he's, he's outdoing what the father wants him to do. He is the one boy in the family that's very interested in what father wants done and the way he wants it done. So he would come back and say, well, you ask them to go in the south pasture and they're not down there. 
I don't know where they are, but I think they're with a bunch of girls over there in, in so-and-so town. And the sheep, when I got down there, they were scattered everywhere. And so he says, well, thank you. So what he does over time, because the son, Joseph, is serving his father. He's a type of Jesus. He gives him authority over them. And the boys hate him. I'm doing real good. Now think for a minute about what I started with in Mark 11. Who gave you authority over us? Who decided that you're our boss? The same thing's going on with the Pharisees and Jesus that's going on right here with Joseph and his brothers. The father's the one that gave him the authority. Joseph didn't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going after the authority. He woke up in the morning and said, I'm going to go obey my father. And this father promoted him. All right. But when it, verse four, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than his brothers, they hated him and they could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream. Now, now, now so many people have preached that he shouldn't have done this. But, but really, no, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. Because what happens is whenever God gives you authority, he start, the, the, the language of the Holy Ghost is dreams and visions. When God is wanting to promote you, he will always anoint you and start giving you dreams and visions to do something great. If he hasn't given it to you, don't take a position God didn't give you. Go back and learn to serve. Boy, the body of Christ has no idea what I just said. There are times when I got born again, God started giving me dreams of what he wanted me to do. The dreams come with the anointing. I don't give myself dreams. Let's go back to Andrew a minute because I always look at Art and Crystal. They went to Karis. God gave Andrew a dream. Andrew did not come up with a dream. He didn't go, I think I want to start a Bible school and ask God to help me. He didn't do that. Because he was pastoring, and the more he prayed, and the more he prayed, and the more he obeyed God, and the more he walked with God, God started giving him dreams and visions. Why? Because you're, you'll never go, you'll, if you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. The way God prompts you is to give you a dream of the future and show you where he's taken you so you'll believe him for that. But if he hasn't given you one, you need to do, find out why he hasn't given you one. Don't make one up. I, the other day, and I'm going to tell you this Sunday morning, it was, I'm, I'm, it was pure prophecy. I walked over to those kids and I said, it'll not turn out the way you think. And, and I know the Holy Ghost came on me and said, say this to them. Because you've got plans, that don't mean a thing. I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't going where you think you're going. you got plans, baby. And they're yours. <laughs> Keith Moore said this. Don't you ever tell a kid you could be anything you want to be because it's a lie. 
You go to God and say, what are you, what, what, what are you, what are you, why am I here? Why am I on the planet? And I jokingly say, I never thought of Popka. I didn't go to pastor's class in Raymond. I, no, no, I did not go to pastor's class. I did not have this in my plan. And God had it in his. Are you all out there Did you go home? And you're going to find out you walk with God a while. You'll be looking back and going, how did I get here? <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Just, I, I know y'all are looking at me like a dog in a new bowl because I've just plowed your American mindset. I plowed your field sideways and it's not true. It's not true. You're not anointed to do everything. I'm not anointed to do everything. There are things I absolutely have no idea what I'm doing. When it comes to tech, that's why I got Justin. Listen, I, I, I have to call um, um, Nicole. Nicole, would you please come over here and show me on my computer how to get this to print? I've got to get this to print. And she comes over there and goes, well, you're not on the right internet. Well, hello, why am I not on the right internet? Well, it's that little thing right there. And you go, and the next thing it's printing. Now, I'm lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Except when it comes to preaching. Now, let me, let's talk about this a minute. Whether I like it or don't, every week, he gives me a sermon. I may like it, I may not like it, but he gives me one anyway. Where in the world did that come from? I, I, listen, folks, I'm not conjuring stuff up on my own. I'm not that smart. If he takes his hand off me, well, I'm just going to be sitting around going, hud, 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 just like everybody else. I'm actually, by nature, extremely introvert. I don't talk to people. I don't like crowds. I don't like public speaking. But then the anointing will hit me. And I'll be sitting at home and all of a sudden, it may be four in the morning, I wake up and I go, hello, Jesus. And these downloading scriptures into my spirit. And I'm going, is this what we're doing Sunday? I guess so. <laughs> Surely, does it ever happen to you? All the time. And, and, I, and I know this for a fact. You'll be, the ladies will be praying. Stuff will come up in them. It never entered their mind. Folks, you're not that smart to know how to pray properly. You don't know how to do that, but God will lay it on your heart. You'll say, I want you in the prayer meeting. Next thing you know, you're praying stuff and you're praying stuff, and it's, it, it's not coming out of your head. Now, I'm going to tell a story on myself. It's a bad one. I always wanted to travel. I really, I really always wanted to. So one day, I rented a 182, and I finally talked somebody in Atlanta to having me come preach. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world that ever happened to me. 
I turned the church over to someone for that Wednesday and I flew off to go preach in Atlanta, Georgia. I got in Atlanta and I could not get out of first gear preaching. I couldn't remember my scriptures. I couldn't remember what I was talking about. I kept forgetting what I was doing. And I got up and I gave a 45-minute boring as Sam Hill talk. God was not in the church. And so I left the church and I went and got in my airplane. And I said, where were you? And he said, I was going to ask you the same thing. I said, where are you? He said, I'm in a popcorn. Where are you? And it kind of hit me. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I mean, if you want to eat tonight, go to the brook. If you leave the brook, well, you might go hungry. All right. Okay, 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 okay. I I know y'all are looking like at the clock and going, how long is he going to do this? Joseph had a dream and they told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. I'm going to tell you something. You start getting dreams from God and not everybody's going to be happy about it. And he said, please hear this dream I have dreamed. And they were binding sheaves in the field, and they bound my sheaf and rose up and stood aright. And Deves, your sheaf stood around me and bowed down to me. And his brother said, are you going to reign over us? <laughs> Guess not, because we're going to throw you in a cave, and we're going to ship, we're going to ship your saddle off to Egypt. Well, son, let me, let me tell you something. You are not the boss. I don't care if dad gave you the coat, and, we'll, and I'll prove it to you. You're going to Egypt tonight on a caravan. And years later, he comes up and goes, uh, I'm the head over Egypt. Come on, y'all eat. Yes, that's right. I told you I'm the boss. Right. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? <laughs> if God kisses you, you kissed. Yes. Now, you know, you get mad at someone that God kisses, you just find out why he kissed them and didn't kiss you. And then don't ever feel bad because what he had you do, you think is no big deal. You don't know what you're doing, whether it's a big deal or not. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to him. The people one accord gave heed the things that Philip spoke, both here and seeing the miracles that he did. And then it says that the Spirit of God caught him down to the road where he was preaching to one Ethiopian eunuch. One person. Who was that? The head of all Ethiopia got the door open for the gospel in one day. You might talk to one man, and you may have changed the nation. I was in, I was in Russia and uh, preaching with Kevin and Leslie, and I was doing a fair job, I thought. But every day, they put an interpreter with me, and he was from, I got to tell you the name of this place because it's a weird, weird country. Anyway, I'll think of it in a minute. Huh? No, it wasn't Belarus. It was a funny name, but anyway. So, so every day, him and me and this boy are traveling eight hours a day, 12 hours a day. Everywhere I went, he's interpreting for me as I'm preaching. At the end of one week, he said, I'm going home to start a church. I live in a town of 20,000 people. There is a church there already. Should I begin one? I was training 
a pastor to go take a country. What I was doing there with my interpreter was more important than the meetings I was preaching. Because I'm training, I, God put me with him for one week and he drilled me from sun up to sundown about pastoring a church. And when, I, when we parted, I laid hands on him and I said, go take the city for Jesus. Amen. He said, I'm going back. You have helped me to obey God. God has called me to take a city. And I went, there is a God and I'm not him. You don't realize what you're doing. You don't realize that your steps, how God's using you. You don't have any idea. Amen. All right, we got a couple more. All right. Um. Uh, I want to go there, and I don't want to go there. I do want to go there. I'll go there in a minute. Go to Matthew 8. So the issue with authority in the earth today is massive. Satan has lost the authority. Do you all know that? But he acts like he has not because he's a liar. You're not going to use yours as long. See, when the Bible says that God gave, that, that, that there are principalities, powers, and rulers of this darkness of this age, I read that and thought that God gave them those titles. He did not. Satan gave them those titles. And when Jesus rose the dead, he said, all authority has been given me heaven and earth. He dethroned them. Then who's? They're in seats of authority. But who should be in those seats? We should be. All right, now let me make a statement to you. All wars are started by Satan. All of them. Who stops them? We do. As long as you understand you've been given authority. When hell's breaking out in your home, you're not fighting with the kids. Who's the authority figure? You are. Let me tell you another story. And I know I may, I may, this, this may bend your brain a little, but it's okay. Years ago, the, um, 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 help me, Betty. It was the little praying lady that used to come here. Mary Fran's friend. Karen Mosley. Karen Mosley came up to me one day and she said, oh, she called me and says, there's a hurricane coming to Florida. What are you going to do about it? And I said, Karen, I really wasn't planning on doing anything about it. You know, it kind of struck me odd. I thought, well, why don't you do something about it? She said, well, Florida's your state, not mine. I can't do anything about it. I said, well, it's not mine either. <laughs> well, I kind of drove down the road, and then my mother called me. She said, that hurricane's coming to Jacksonville, Florida, not, not West Palm Beach, and a lot of people are going to die. And, and, and she'd call me Daryl Boy. Daryl Boy? Daryl Boy, what are you going to do about it? I said, Mom, I, I wasn't going to do nothing about it, Mama girl. I, I'm, just, I'm not going to do nothing about the hurricane. I mean, and I'm kind of just, you know, it's not affecting Apopka. Raining a little bit. And, and, I, and I think someone else asked me the same question. And finally... I, and I think Barbara Neff said something to me about it. And I drove out of here and I went someplace and I'm coming down Pond Can and I'm coming around the corners. And I said, 
you know, God, I guess maybe I should say something to you about the hurricanes. And I said these words. You know people are going to die. You know that. And he said to me, tell it to slow down. Now, y'all have no idea. That's, that's quite a statement. Because when, he, when, 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 the, when the rhema comes, the faith to do it comes. And I said, and, and see, here's the thing I thought. Why didn't he tell me to make it stop? Why didn't he tell me to tell it to leave and go out to sea? But he said to me, tell it to slow down. I, listen, I'm not God. I've got authority in my home, but when it comes to something like the state of Florida, you've got to hear from God. Elijah had to hear from God to go talking to rain clouds, guys. You don't just go talking to rain clouds and bring a drought unless God tells you to say it. Okay, that's, that's another subject. People don't, you can agree or disagree. It don't matter to me. So, so I, I, I come in and, and, and I walk in the door and Barbara Neff is having like a, whoa, have you been listening to Z88? And I said, no, I hadn't been listening to Z88. The hurricane went from a four to a two instantly, wham, in speed. And it stopped all forward movement. And I turned on Z and they're, they are going ballistic. And how people are when something happens. And nobody knows what's happening. There's a phenomenon. And the meteorologist says, and off they go. And I'm going, hey, hey, hey. I know what happened. And when I said it, I saw it and it had two eyes and it had a personality. And I knew I was talking to a thing. So it stayed out there another whole day. And then it came in a category two. Now, I'm not saying that to brag on me. I'm not. Superman. I mean, I, I'm just doing what God said do. But there is authority. And there's authority we're not using. But you, you and I need to know, you got to know who you are and what authority you do and do not have. That's why a lot of times you got to pray. I'm trying to go over this on Sunday morning and say, Holy Spirit, how should I be praying about this? Because I'm using the word, but right now I need a little bit of help. It's like the story I told about the guy that his, was praying over his daughter or son, and they had a, it was a heart problem, and it, they, they thought it was a skin disease, and the Holy Spirit told them, you're praying wrong. Well, once he prayed right, it stopped. And, and I'm trying to get you guys to understand there's more than just a rote, you know, scripture, 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 push a button. A little more to it than that. So when something's not working, go back and pray and pr- just, okay, Lord, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but you, you're going to have to lead me and guide me here. You're going to show me some stuff because apparently we know you want something done, but you got to talk to me. All right. Now, uh, let, let's, let's, go to, let's go to Matthew 8. Now, are y'all Okay. Because I'm trying to explain to you why things don't seem to work and why there's a problem in the world today. Matthew 8, verse 5. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came and pled with him and said, Lord, my servants lie at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy you would come under my roof, but you speak a word only and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, he, he didn't say, I am in authority. He said, I'm under authority. Now, listen to what he said. 
because I have people over me. They gave me authority. I have a right from the Roman government to tell certain number of men what to do. I am in authority because I'm under authority. He said, I noticed you couldn't do what you're doing if you weren't under authority. So I have recognized that you're in authority because you're under authority. All right. When things don't work for you, Go find out when you got out from under the word. Satan knows you're not obeying God. And you're over there telling him what to do. He's going. Hey, Jose, listen to me. It's obvious that you're following me. So you're not telling me what to do. And we got a lot of church members that are born again, claiming their rights in Jesus, but they're not do, they don't have a servant's attitude. They don't have an obey God attitude. And then when they're praying, nothing's happening and they're going, what's wrong with God? I was, y'all want to hear something really neat? I was praying about finances one day, and the Lord said, because I ask you to pastor them, you have authority to pray for their business. I went, you bet. (laughs) I went, uh, hello? Man, I started praying for y'all's income. People who didn't have jobs were getting them. But see, if you don't come to this church, I can't do anything about that. There's more to this than we've ever. We've only scratched the surface of what God is doing in the earth. So I think that's cool. Because I need you to tithe. And if you're going to tithe, you need a job. And I want you to have a good one. And I want it to end. I want it. See, you might want to find where you're supposed to be in church. Because if nobody even knows who you are, that might be what's wrong with your finances. Boy, that's entertaining. Does this make sense? I'm a man under authority, and I've got soldiers under me, and I say this one, go, and he goes, come, and he comes. You do this, he does it. And when he heard it, he marveled and said to those, surely I have not found such a great faith. He just called that faith. What did he call faith? Submission to God. Right? Having a servant's heart is faith. See, when you you have an attitude, I just want to obey God. I just want to do what he wants me to do. That's faith. But but, but someone who's not in faith go, no, I'm afraid to him ask me. I don't know what he's going to give me to do. There's no faith in that. I'll make it on my own. (laughs) Right. Let's talk about manhood for just a minute. When a male wants to be respected the head of his home, his wife and children know whether he's under God or not. 
Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. I'm the head of this house. I'm the boss. Well, honey, it's obvious that you don't even go to church. So since you're not under authority, that's why we don't even respect you. It got real quiet in this church. Now I'm going to give you a mystery. Lisa and I are 11 years apart. I was married before. Why would a girl like Lisa marry a used dinosaur? I'm going to give you another scenario. I want you all to hear this. In college, pretty girls marry ugly men. Yeah, they do too. The stud muffins very seldom get the women they want. Because the ugly men know they have to be kind. Let's come back to Lisa. What was Lisa's game plan? She wanted a man of God. You might be used, but you're trumping everything else I've ever seen. And a lot of people look at that and go, I don't get, I don't get this at all. And, and well, you want to look at these young guys and go, you're not in church half the time and you're wanting a good girl. You know, it does not work that way. They want a man who loves Jesus even when you're not in church. And they're like, why I'm a man? <laughs> yeah, you a half a man. If you ain't a holy man, you're not a whole man. You know, it takes guts to be a Christian and to follow God when everybody else is going a different direction. <laughs> That's why I was asking the twins and the band of brothers, I want them to get up and talk. I'm interested to find out what it's like to play football and be a Christian. It's nice when everybody on the team saved. I want to know what it's like when they ain't. <laughs> we'll find out at the next breakfast anyway. Can I take one more? Numbers 14.1. What about Moses? We won't spend a lot of time on this. But what about Moses? Who, who put Moses in authority? It's simple, God. And this, and what I'm going to read to you, went on the whole, his whole life, 14.1. Well, the congregation lifted their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained against who? And Aaron and the whole congregation said, if only we died in the land of Egypt, if we died in the wilderness, why did God bring us this land to fall by the sword and the wives and children going to become victims? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. Really? What's wrong with the one God gave you? The problem you're having with authority is you. It's quiet in this Baptist church. That's right. The problem we have with authority is us. And if you don't want to be in authority, you're going to start finding all these excuses of why you can't follow that person. Well, there's no excuse. 
They're in one. When I went and got a job at Certain Teed, they told me what time to be there, how to dress, and what to do. You want a job? Do it the way we told you to do it. Right? What happened when you got saved? Well, I mean, what is that book in your lap? Told you how to dress, how to talk, how to spend your money, what to do with your time? <laughs> this is good, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm going to close with this statement. I've run about three minutes over, but we have people coming in all the time, not all the time, but every once in a while, and they start causing trouble. They don't like the way we do it. Well, if you didn't buy the chairs, you can't rearrange them. And they always talk about the church they left. And I go, well, go back. (laughs) Come in here, start telling me what to do. And and they cause trouble. Uh, You know, on Sunday mornings, do you know the reason why I really cringe when we have a move of God? Because somebody is going to walk up and say, I have a word. And I'm going to say, good. Go sit down. And they're going to get mad. Well, I know the Lord gave me a word. Well, I have one for you. Why don't you get to church on time, start coming every Sunday, and go to work in the nursery. Thus says the Lord. Well, I'm not doing what you said. I only follow the Lord. But I have a word from the Lord. No, you don't. Go sit down. So they get on Facebook. And you know how many numb nut baby Christians listen to that trash? It goes on all the time. I was preaching a sermon one day on eternal, on um, spiritual death. And a lady got on the internet and started studying what other people said about Jesus dying spiritually. And none of it's good. It's all wrong. It's all bad. I mean, I'm a cult and the, and the devil himself. You get on the internet, you can find anybody agree with you. I don't care how bad you are, there's somebody who agrees with you. And everybody's got an opinion. They don't do anything, but they all got an opinion. And she came back and she said, the internet said. I said, well, I wish I'd have known that because if I had had it, I thought I was going by the Bible. <laughs> and she got on the internet and decided it was time to start a slander and a smear campaign. And you see that stuff and you go, can we kill them? Can we just kill them, God? And then you have baby Christians that don't have any more sense. Now listen to that stupidity. And it screws them all up. Are y'all out there? Because, because these are people who want authority and never done anything to get it. They're not serving. They're, they're not here to serve. They're here to boss. They're eye to boss. And they go from church to church to church. Looking for someone to put them in a position of authority. I had a man came to me one time. He says, I, sh- I want to be on your board. And I said, how's your finances? He said, not good. And I said, well, you can't even run your own home. I, was, I mean, I was nice to him. I was smiling when I said it. He said, well, I have a degree in so-and-so college. I said, well, it hadn't done you any good. 
Why in the Sam Hill would I want to put you on a board when you're broke? You can't even balance checkbook. Never mind, y'all don't. The world's crazy. That's my sermon. Don't go crazy with them. You want authority? Do what you need to do to get it. If you humble yourself in the mighty hand of God, he'll lift you up. Do it the way Jesus did it. That's, that's what makes you a Christian. It's not, it's not hard to do. Amen? <laughs> this is kind of fun, though, isn't it? Because there's a lot of churches out there today. They're, they're, they're doing, everything, doing a lot of things different than the way we do them. That's fine. They're allowed to. But if you want God to move, we're going to do it his way. And that, that's got to be the bottom line. We're going to have a servant's heart. We're coming in here to serve the Lord, to love each other, watch feet, take care of one another. And if God happens to give you a position of authority, it's done because you have a responsibility now. It's not, there's no perks except more work. And the gifts of the Spirit are sweet. They're kind of fun to have all these fancy gifts and come up with fancy-sounding sermons and people think that I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I'm really not that smart. Didn't really start off wanting to do this. I just wanted to obey God and still do. Do you all see the difference? Okay, as long as you see the difference, you will never get messed up. Here's why. There will always be something in the church for you to do. So you don't ever have to pray, Lord, what is it you want me to do? <laughs> well, we have a need over there. Oh, yes, that's what I said. Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> right? God will test, and I know people don't like that word. He'll test your heart to see where you are. Why, what's your motive? Why are you wanting to do what you want to do? Because he's not taking you up until your heart's right. Then you may come up to me and say, I have a word. And I may say, okay, give it. If I don't, don't get your feelings hurt. Amen. Most of the time it's for you anyway. You're just telling us what God's talking to you about most of the time. Does this help anybody? If it didn't say amen or say oh me, whatever you have to say right now, I want to pray. Father God, thank you. What a great opportunity it is to stand in front of your church and to minister your word. Father, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today, and it seems like people everywhere have gone crazy. I don't believe that we should be going crazy. I don't think this is all that hard. You just told us to go serve. Told us to be like you, serve, wash feet, take care of other people. And if there's ever anything that needs to be done, well, then you'll lift us up and you'll put us in positions. Not, there's no fight. There's no struggle. No reason for strife. There's no reason. There's no reason for any of that. Not in the earth. Not anywhere. And Father, you're the one that has the final say-so. You're the boss, and we come underneath you, and we choose tonight. And I just ask you tonight as we're sitting in here in church that if there's somebody in the room right now, they're not underneath the Word that they would get back underneath the Word of God because it does work. When we're doing what you said, we have authority over all the work of the enemy. 
And I thank you, sir, for the opportunity to share your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.